0: Hey y'all and welcome to Ain't No Such Thing, where we tell original southern horror stories and we discuss some legends that you may know or you might not. My name is Amanda. I'm joined by Jessica Hines. Hey guys. And Kevin Laporte. Hello. And tonight we'll be discussing the Abbeville, Alabama legend of Huggin' Molly.
1: That's Huggin'. H u g g i n apostrophe. Don't be saying ing now.
2: Because is the South, we don't pronounce gs at the end of. Uh,
1: we don't. That's how we talk. <laughs> at the
2: end of words.
1: <laughs> I learned fast.
0: <laughs> I was I was getting so mad at my autocorrect a few minutes ago, trying to type styling, profiling, jet flying, limousine riding, but you know, <laughs> woo.
2: If only you were actually kidding about that What nobody knows because they can't see Is that you really were typing that
0: I absolutely was I don't lie about Ric Flair
2: This is wrestling country There's no G at the end of wrestling either
0: Wrestling It's an R It's not even ur <laughs> <laughs> Anyway As we discuss our draws And linguistic idiosyncrasies Let's get into hugging Molly
2: Well first of all We're gonna talk about the general subject of raising children and specifically getting children to behave. Now, the three of us raising a six year old and she's a good kid, but it's not easy.
0: How do people do it with a bad kid? Good. Or like multiple.
2: With more than one, exactly.
0: (laughs) Single people.
2: And we do it without using monsters. We don't threaten our kid with any sort of mystic retribution or arcane vengeance. If she's out late, when she's sick, she better not be out at all. Or if she takes her bath late, or if she doesn't eat all of her vegetables. We just use behavioral techniques like modern people.
1: Okay, but we are really blessed because she loves broccoli. So, yeah, I, I don't know, how to <laughs> fight that.
2: That's because of good behavioral techniques.
1: <laughs> but she steals it off of everyone
0: else's plate.
2: Yes, but we didn't have to use any monsters to create her desire for broccoli. <laughs> it is purely good examples and modeling. That's that's what I'm going with, and I'm sticking with it. Well, now that we've established that we don't use monster stories to scare our kid into behaving. Let's talk about what our parents did. Amanda, what did your parents do? Did they use any monsters, any scary stories to get you to be a decent human being and treat your sister with some dignity?
0: We had all kinds of stuff like that. The, the one I remember, you know, the most fondly is my aunt Pam. Um, She was my babysitter and she was the cool aunt, but they turned it around on me and let my imagination be the monster She said if I had a bad or mean thought that something was going to get me. Now, we lived right by the woods. Like, the woods. It looks like Dagobah at my house. Um, And when I was growing up, my window looked out on the woods and there was a big gaping maw just leading into them. And I always expected something to walk right out of it. And so I was worried that if I had a bad thought, something was going to come get me. And Pam said that I had to sing... A song to myself, the happiest song there ever was, Zippity-Doo-Dah. So I sang Zippity-Doo-Dah all the time as a little kid. Because, of course, I had a lot of little angry thoughts going through my head.
2: So what's the monster here?
0: The What I was most afraid of as a little kid to come out of the woods was a vampire. Um, Vampires don't bother me so much anymore, but I was really terrified that one was going to jump out of the, that hole. And at the uh, the house next door... There's a tree by one of the windows, and it had this really bizarre-looking knot in it. I was told it was a vampire that would that lived in the tree, and at night it would come out of that knot and get you. I couldn't even, as a teenager, be in that house by myself and be inside of that window.
2: Was it as scary as the tree and poltergeist? As the face on that tree and poltergeist?
0: Not as as an adult, but as a as a youngin,
1: it scared the crap out of me.
2: What about you, Jess?
1: Um, not really anything to fear necessarily. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess in a way, it was more okay. I mean, I had the normal Santa, you know. I think most children have Santa. I mean, come on, now we've used Santa before. I mean,
2: well, Santa is the ubiquitous monster for bad behavior.
1: But it's not a monster. I would never looked at it as a monster. It was this jolly, happy guy who was going to bring me presents. And
2: Unless you didn't do what he wanted you to do, and then you weren't getting any presents while everybody else did. That's monstrous.
1: Sounds like parents. He's always watching. So are parents. He can
2: come down your chimney without being detected and invade your home. He was
1: magical. He was a happy, magical guy. I guess I never looked at him as a monster, necessarily.
2: Well, I think you got to reconfigure your perceptions of this guy.
1: <laughs> I think you have a thing for Santa. <laughs>
2: I don't have a thing for Santa. That's a whole different conversation <laughs> and a completely different type of podcast. But I, I might have something against Santa. Maybe that's what you used the wrong preposition. What's interesting about Santa is in other parts of the world, cultures have come up with these actual monsters that like work with or for Santa, the Krampus. Elf and- on the shelf. Elf on the Shelf.
1: I'm
0: terrified of that damn thing. <laughs> I will not have it in this house. I don't care if well, it we would never it. have
2: one here, simply for the annoyance. But why is it terrifying? <laughs> why is it monstrous?
1: <laughs> I think it's kind of scary. I don't like it. But I mean, it essentially I mean, is the same thing. It does have uh, the the dead that You eyes. have to. <laughs> you have to behave. It is big brother. Or he's going to tell Santa.
2: So <laughs> it, it is just another parent's tool. Yeah. Lazy tool.
1: You can get creative now.
2: <laughs> yes. For me, my mom went with the good old classic boogeyman, but she called him the booger. (laughs) (laughs) You guys guys both know my mom, so that shouldn't come as any surprise. Not a bit. But she didn't go into great detail as far as the story. But she consistently said, you better get in bed or the booger's going to get you. You know, it sounds disgusting in like more than one way when she uses that terminology. But the real monster in my house was my mom. Because although she's not a violent person, she made some really violent (laughs) threats to get us to comply. She had three boys, and my brother and I were pretty wild as uh, kids and early teenagers. And so my mom's typical threat was, if we didn't come home on time, not hugging Molly, not even the boogeyman, but I'll rip your legs off, (laughs) (laughs) or I'll break both your legs if you don't get your ass in this house. And fortunately, we never had any fractures. No legs got ripped off. They were empty threats. And they, that was pretty scary stuff. Back I in imagine. the imagine. She <laughs>, laughs about that. We talk about it now. We all do. But at the time, it's like, I don't know if she's serious or not. So we're going to follow through and comply. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know. The boogeyman affects my daily life with my fear complex. I can't have a closet door open.
2: What's funny about all our stories is that, None of us mentioned Huggin' Molly. Amanda and I are both from South Alabama, just from Indiana, Indianapolis area. But I'd never even heard of Huggin' Molly before we started researching topics for the podcast. And it's a really interesting story. It has some similarities to other types of legends, including some of the ones that we said our parents you know, cursed us with or the other ones that we've heard of. And we'll talk about some more of those, but Jess, you said you had looked into Hugging Molly and and have the the overall story of the Abbeville, Alabama haunt.
1: Yes. Okay. So, uh, you know, to start off with, let me just reiterate the fact that there are several different versions of Hugging Molly legend. Uh, most really stick with the same premise, ultimately, a scary woman who is meant to frighten children that happen to be out after dark. You know, it's one of those stories that your parents tell you to uh, make sure that you're home, you know. So, but allegedly, Molly was a woman who lived hundreds of years ago, and she lost, and I can't really tell you how, um, when I tried to look to see how she lost her children, whether, I know they died Don't know how they died, what happened to them necessarily, but she ultimately lost her children, and so to cope with this loss, she would go around hugging children that happened to be out late after dark.
2: Consent, Molly. (laughs) Get consent.
1: (laughs) Now, it kind of turned more sinister after some time, and the story changed to this, you know, shrouded woman all in black with this wide-brimmed hat stalking children after dark and you know if she actually caught up to them she would hug them and then actually scream in their ears
2: i mean is that really necessary (laughs) and the screaming part you've you've got your hug it's a way to ask for permission (laughs) and you've got to bust somebody's eardrum wide open
1: (laughs) right you know some versions report that she would harm them but honestly i didn't see a lot of them actually say that it was more hug them scream them That's scary enough.
0: (laughs) I did see a couple bear hug them to death.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah. So I know, Amanda, you kind of looked up some realistic. What? Realistic. But
0: (laughs) these are mostly people who wouldn't give a name, things like that. So I'd take them with a big old chunk of salt.
2: (laughs) They wouldn't give a name to who was hugging them, or they wouldn't give their own name.
0: (laughs) I guess they might have been embarrassed. <laughs> I mean,
2: we've all h- hugged people that we didn't want to admit we hugged.
0: That's true. <laughs> and and I s hugging Molly kind of freaks me out the idea because I I'm
1: personal space. Yeah, I, I don't
0: <laughs> like hugs from people that I'm not expecting or or don't know. I'll I'll give a hug here and there. I'm southern, but I don't like them. <laughs> um. But the the accounts that I saw One story was from a young man Who was a, a delivery boy For a grocery store And he was making a delivery After dark And he didn't want to Because he was nervous about hugging Molly And he was walking along And he hears something behind him And he looks back And just outside of the glow of the street light Down from him He saw a large figure He got moving and went on to to do the delivery the figure started to keep pace with him and then speed up to try to catch him and so he he ran and ran till he could get inside and then he said once he once he got inside the place where he needed to be the figure just kept walking along and you know that could have just been a tall person out for their job <laughs> stalking people
1: Another one that I kind of read up on was that uh, a local professor in the area, he was very annoyed with a lot of the college students that were going out after dark and, you know, not getting in the houses, things like that. He was just annoyed. Probably one of those, (laughs) you know, grumpy professors. But um, anyways, they said that he was pretty tall. So he actually dressed up in a dress and a wide brimmed hat and went out and tried to torment these kids. He would run around and chase them to make sure that they would get in their houses. So, I don't know about y'all, but that's not <laughs> my cup of tea.
2: I think that's technically illegal in, <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> I mean, he might be having a good time, but he's going to get shot either right. by some Especially uh, in the South. <laughs> pistol-toting teenager or their daddy or the cops. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> well, speaking of that illegal, um, there was a Huggin' Molly copycat in Baton Rouge, the early 1900s. But it turns out, Hug and Molly only wanted to hug pretty women, and it was a guy who would walk around in a in a dress or a cloak, and yeah, he he kind of stuck to the the pretty ones just to cop a feel there. Instead of, well, I, I guess I wouldn't want to be out after dark if somebody was going to try and do that to me. Neither,
1: but um. let's face it, I'm not out after dark hardly at any rate. <laughs>
2: And that just comes with the previous conversation about parenting. A
0: six-year-old
1: That's child. right. <laughs> yes. She's our hugging Molly. <laughs> she does scream in my ear sometimes.
2: I mean, but is hugging all bad? I mean, is it necessarily true that hugging Molly was out to harm people? There are real benefits to being hugged. There are physiological benefits to being hugged. And I think we need to acknowledge this and consider the possibility that Molly is a do-gooder trying to make people healthier.
1: That's a very devil's advocate way of looking at things, Kevin. (laughs) Molly is
0: supposed to be a seven-foot figure as wide as a bale of cotton.
2: Well, that's a big, cushy hug. That's (laughs) more to love, Amanda. Aren't you familiar with these old (laughs) maxims? Hugging lowers blood pressure. It reduces cortisol, which is the stress hormone. It releases oxytocin and dopamine, which both cause you to feel happy and content. That's what hugging does. Just because you don't like to hug people doesn't mean Molly doesn't like to hug people and doesn't mean people don't like to hug Molly. It improves self-esteem. It improves physical closeness and comfort with people. And research shows that it improves discipline in children. It's not that she's trying to scare children into going home. She's trying to get them to be more compliant. Compliant.
0: Isn't that like that hugging technique where they don't let them go and sometimes they get smushed?
2: That's called sh- strangling. That's different.
0: <laughs> I saw that SVU episode.
1: <laughs> but yeah. to to go back on the uh, seven feet tall and as wide as a bale of cotton. Now, when you put it in that perspective, all I can think of is Baymax from the 6. <laughs> and Baymax
2: is adorable and gives great hugs.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> and probably as soft as cotton. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: See, I I don't think we can be so presumptuous about Molly's motives or, you know, her character. Now, the guy in Baton Rouge is a different story. (laughs) He was getting his oxytocin and dopamine up, but not the way that he should have been, (laughs) not in any legitimate way. (laughs) I'm just saying, we shouldn't just assume that all ghosts are evil. And maybe her screaming is just her releasing... Her negative feelings when her oxytocin levels raise. You're cringing. People on the because other now, side can't <laughs> see it, but, they're, but you're cringing, Jess.
1: <laughs> well, also I'm thinking of, well, maybe she did have like a mental health issue and that was her way.
2: Jess and I both work in healthcare, and we hmm. both worked in mental health over the years. Maybe she <laughs> <the> ID. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, maybe she's just depressed and needed a little you know, pick-me-up.
0: I wonder if you can get a free hug shirt The size of a bale of cotton <laughs>
2: <laughs> With a picture of Molly on it
0: I do love the picture of Molly That's on the Abbeville uh, town sign When you're entering the town There is a restaurant in Abbeville Called Huggin' Molly's yeah,
2: currently open I realized that I was in Montgomery, Alabama A couple of weeks ago And researching for the story And realized I was only 90 miles From the Huggin' Molly restaurant Where you can go get a burger At the place where you might get hugged, which, you know, positive, and get your ear screened in, which is negative.
0: (laughs) Well, next time we hit Fanaticon. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil. Um, We're going to have to run up to Abbeville and get some food from there because you know that's good.
2: Yeah, that'll be in November. Phil Chalker runs Fanaticon over there in Dothan in November, and we're definitely going to be there. And uh, maybe we can organize a little get-together for people that listen to the podcast at Huggin' Molly's next year.
1: And we're them. all going to wear black dresses and wide-print hats.
2: And you are going to get hugged <laughs> if you come meet up with us. <laughs> You're going to get your oxytocin and dopamine levels <laughs> raised. Trust me on this.
0: You know, I read another account, as an aside, that in, in Baton Rouge, I don't know, I was finding all these from Baton Rouge, but there was a, a Huggin' Molly but she wore a white gown, and so it made the African American community particularly uncomfortable. <laughs> because, yeah, Molly, you don't do that, woman.
1: Look,
2: I think we can all agree that Baton Rouge is a crossroads of the universe in terms of scumbags and corn dogs.
0: You might get shot, Gavin. I'm not going to we Baton, you, Baton Rouge. We love you, Baton Rouge.
2: Except Stop for you, Gavin. Except I for don't you, Gavin. Roll
0: Tide. <laughs>
2: but this kind of story. And we used some examples earlier, but this kind of story isn't unique to Abbeville or to Alabama. As we talked about, parents like to use ghosts, monsters, fairy tales to scare their kids into doing things so they don't actually have to use realistic and enforceable parameters to get them in under control behaviorally. It's not easy, but it's something we all have to learn. So what are some other Hug and Molly type legends that we found during our research?
1: Well, one of them that I found really interesting, and it was more in the Hispanic community, is La, Llor- oh. La Rona. Yes. Y'all, I hate to tell you, I'm really bad at pronouncing things. I think you guys know this by now. It's
2: just part of the charm of the podcast at this point.
1: <laughs> I got it. <laughs> La Llorona. La Rona. Um, was a spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her children and now spends eternity searching for them in rivers and lakes, or so says legendsofamerica.com. So basically, she was a beautiful woman, or or so the story goes, she was a beautiful woman. She had married this man, but he kind of jousted her and decided to go hang out with another woman. And she saw this, and in her rage, she went, why are you laughing?
2: (laughs) You said he jousted her. I was wondering so he, about that. He story. hit her with a lance. <laughs> she deserves to be weeping all for all eternity.
0: She just has a weeping wound.
2: <laughs> that was great. I was just wanted to see it. I've always wanted to see a joust.
1: <laughs> all right. Well anyway. You meant ousted. Whatever. <laughs> anyways. Anyways. She was very, very upset, and in her rage, she ended up going and drowning her two children in the river. And then, when she decided that that was an awful idea, she uh, started to grieve them. And in dealing with her grief, she cried endlessly and walked along the river searching for her boys. Which, by the way, they are dead. But
2: but she killed them. She knows exactly <laughs> where they are.
1: Okay, she she's did. the Susan Smith of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Medea. <my> <laughs> But essentially, she haunts, you know, the banks of rivers, streams, things like that. And essentially, it's a warning to children who go out near rivers near, you know, at dark and everything, which obviously you really don't need to be out by the river at dark anyways. Um, but if you are out there, you have to be careful because she could bring you in and, you know, obviously drown you. So
2: so the moral of the story is stay away from rivers because your own parents may murder you. <laughs> That's a terrible moral. <laughs> I, I like Molly better. She seems nicer. <laughs> I mean... L- but there's there's actually a movie about La La Rona that's, right. uh, I think, coming out sometime soon.
0: I think it just came out, and, uh, yeah, I'd like to watch it. Uh, who knows? Maybe we could add it to our review list.
2: Yeah, if it shows anywhere down here. We, we don't get many great movies in this area, anything indie-related around us, but we'll try.
0: The meaner version of a legend like this that I've found is in Japan, uh, Kujisaki Ona is said to approach young people on public transportation and on walks to and from wherever they're going. But she wears a surgical mask. She's said to be very pretty. And she'll ask someone she approaches, am I pretty? And if you answer no, she'll stab you. And if you answer yes... She'll remove the mask and reveal her face, which has been slit from ear to ear in a, a grinning, monstrous smile. And then she'll cut your face to make you like her, since you think she's so pretty. Um, I don't really know exactly what they're trying to teach. Talking to strangers or the dangers
1: of public transportation.
2: That, there's, that life is a no-win situation.
1: Right. Because that's what it is. It doesn't matter if you say yes or no. She ultimately is going to like get you.
0: There's a way out of it,
1: I read that there was no way out. You can say yes, you can say no, but either way, she's going to get you.
0: I heard that you can say so-so and escape. You have to haul ass cause she'll <laughs> think about it. Um, <laughs> come <si>, com sa. <laughs> <laughs> she's angry. Final thoughts on hugging Molly. y'all. you want to meet up with her? Bay Max <laughs> <laughs> hugging party.
2: Yeah, big old-fashioned 70s love-in with hugging Molly. She'd take up half the room. Everybody can just pack in around her (laughs) and just get one big group hug going. And she can just spin in a circle and scream in ears like (laughs) (laughs) it'll it'll be a party.
0: That sounds like an after-hours event at a Comic-Con.
2: Yeah, we'll put on Dark Side of the Moon, play it front to back, (laughs) and just get screamed at. While we get hugged, just the contradiction in emotions has got to be exquisite. <laughs> what do we think? Is it worth it to use monsters to try to change children's behaviors? It's uh, an age-old practice. Uh, it's even, you could even argue that a lot of religious practices in terms of modifying children's behavior are based on fear. Uh, is it worth it? Does it work?
1: I mean, yeah, it did kind of for me um, with Santa. And again, I don't see him as a monster, but I do see where you're coming from. Um, it did help me um, maybe behave a little bit better, but essentially I still did a lot of the things and I still got presents and he still was this jolly man. So, um, but as far as threats, um, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I don't like to necessarily use them with Crazy.
2: Definitely not. Amanda, do you still, when you go to your parents' place, do you still look out there at the woods and are you afraid something's going to come out so you behave differently at your parents' house than you do here?
0: I do. (laughs) I can't curse around my mom.
2: Is that because something's going to come out of the woods and kill you or is it because you respect your mom
0: as a a person? Well, I do respect my mom, but I also think that something bad will happen to me. I, I have like a reaction. My gut gets tight. Um. I don't know, I I think it was effective for me in ways because I do consider certain behaviors based on irrational fears and complexes that I have now. But um, I definitely wouldn't use that on our kid.
2: Well, the fact of the matter is that science shows that kids don't respond well to these sorts of fairy tales, monsters, because they're bigger risk-takers than adults are. They're willing to chance it. They're willing to push the limits and see if it's real. And when it's not real, they're just going to run roughshod over the whole belief system and do what they want to do. And that's true across the board. It's true for drug users. It's true for in, in teenage years. It's true for kids uh, in in school, at, at home, that don't have real consequences. So it doesn't work. It might scare kids for a few minutes. It might make them have nightmares in their certain age. But after a point, they're going to see it's not real, just like they learn other fables aren't real like those at Christmas. And then they just do whatever they want.
0: And it
1: makes the parents liars.
2: (laughs) And weak, because you don't have any real tools
1: well, exact and again another point is that okay, if you're going to use that threat, what happens if they continue to do it? You know, as far as behavior is concerned, you're supposed to follow through with what you do. That would be awful. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, you could hug them and scream in <laughs> your ear, I guess, but she just does that to us already. So it's <laughs> it's just she just likes that and thinks it's funny. So hugging Molly's just giving her more of the same. But
1: it's- in the instance of Krumpus or you know, hand the scary scarecrow guy that went around and people were scared because he was going to come out and get you and everything. I mean, that's pretty terrifying.
2: Yeah, but when they never show up. <laughs> nothing ever sticks and right kids and are so just then the
1: behavior is going to continue
2: or get worse because right. then they realize you got nothing to really work on them right so.
0: you're weak mommy <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean you can keep trying to make bigger monsters but godzilla is not coming through that door anytime <laughs> soon
0: well y'all that's it for hugging molly and as always we really thank you for listening to ain't no such thing We want you to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, we do have a Patreon campaign going. So that gets you extra stories, movie reviews. You can have a story of your own read on the podcast. And we want to give a shout out to those of you that support it. Ian McDowell, our latest Patreon backer. Thank you so much, Ian. And thank you for participating in our game the other day. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Ian. And thank you to James O'Callaghan. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Also, I'll remind you all that we have a very active Facebook group for Ain't No Such Thing. Facebook.com slash groups slash Ain't No Such Thing. We just did a story called The Inheritance that was written by the group as part of a past the Story game. We're going to be doing these games on the regular. Our next one's scheduled for February 6th through the 8th. Join the group, and you get the rules, and we'll get you set up so you can play with us. And then you get a writer's credit, and you get your story read on the podcast. So until next time, this is Amanda and Kevin.
1: Good night. And Jess. Take care, guys.
0: We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.